Great song. Speak, Lord, for thy servant hears. When the Lord speaks, we need to listen. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. I know many of you might have noticed a little bit of difference with our decorations this morning. I thought I would like to help out in some decoration. And so I thought, well, I'll just add a little bit of something. I think it was a little bit bigger than I had planned. I'm kidding. You'll understand it here in just a moment. I've never preached behind a gate before. So this is new. Matthew chapter 7, we have come to this, the place in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus is going to talk about something that is um, not that... Not that when he says something it's not important, but this is extremely important for you and I. Matthew chapter 7, two verses. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Enter ye at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. I want to preach a message simply entitled, Two Gates. Let's pray. Lord, we've come to the point in this message where this is the most important time of our service. And that's where you are speaking to us through your word. Lord, I ask you to please forgive me for my sins. Lord, thank you for that evening years ago when I was a young boy that I recognized my need for you when you were convicting my heart of of the need of salvation. Lord, if there's one here this morning that's never put their faith and trust in You, and they're on the path that's going to head through that wide open gate, Lord, I pray that You'll convict their heart one more time. And Lord, as the song said, Lord, whenever You speak to us, we should hear and take action. Lord, that's exactly what you do when you convict our heart. Lord, I pray that you would be with this message. Lord, do what I cannot do. Let me say only what you would have me to say. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, every one of us are on a journey called life. The journey throughout, as in any journey, there's ups and downs, there's hills, valleys, there's smooth places, there's difficult places, there's crooks and turns that we don't know what's coming up around the bend, there's mountaintop experiences, there's valleys that we learn the most from. But just as every one of us are going through a journey, we're also, every one of us, going to come to a point where we have to decide which, which of the two gates we're going to choose. 
Matthew chapter 7 verse 13, it begins with a very simple statement. Enter ye at the straight gate. With a desire to reach the hearer, Jesus uses again language that's very descriptive. It's very visual in explaining. I love the uh, illustrations, the words that Jesus uses. He uses this vis- the visual language here of a straight gate. And that word straight means straight not as in crooked. It means, this, this word, it means narrow. Which is the illustration we have of the narrow gate here. This word straight does not mean straight as in that it's not crooked. This means narrow, not easy to pass through as compared to the wide gate that is easy to pass through. The application here is that the way is the way to get to heaven is narrow. It is not narrow in the sense that it is hard to go to heaven. And it's not narrow in the sense that it's hard to find out how to go to heaven. And it's not narrow in the sense that only a few are allowed into heaven. It is narrow in the sense that sadly not many people will choose to go through the narrow gate of salvation. You say, what is salvation? Well, in order to be saved from something, there has to be a consequence or there has to be something I'm being saved from, I'm being rescued from. It's a picture of someone maybe drowning in a in a vast body of water and someone is throwing a lifesaver, a life preserve out there for the sole purpose of saving them from drowning. Well, spiritually speaking, on our journey called life, we were all born in sin and we're drowning in our sins and we need to be saved from the consequences of sin which is eternal separation from a holy God in hell. That's what salvation is. Everyone under the sound of my voice will have a choice to make. And I trust that... I would love to say that everyone under the sound of my voice has chosen salvation through by grace through faith. They've chosen this narrow gate, this gate that sadly, in in talking about numbers of people, there's not but a few that will go through this gate. It's narrow. Sadly, there's people that you know of right now that will not be behind you as you go through this gate. You see, they're going to be over here. I, I I wanted to have a visual of this because I think visuals help. They help me. The visual here is a wide gate in that it doesn't take too much to get through this gate, does it? I mean, generally speaking, oh, you can get through, you can, 
you can herd a lot of a lot of cattle through a wide open gate pretty quick, or a bunch of wild horses, or or any kind of livestock. You can get them through a wide gate fairly quickly, and they don't have to do much. It's not it's not that difficult. It's not that hard. It's whenever a determination is made to go through a much narrower gate, a smaller gate like this one right here, that there's got to be some more pointed choices. There's got to be a little bit of a different kind of a mindset. Jesus here is giving us these explanations, these visuals here. The importance of salvation and these visuals here that's been given in looking at these two gates. Now, salvation, what what are some reasons that people don't choose salvation by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? What are some reasons that people don't get saved? Well, I just I wrote down four here. Or not four, I wrote down three. The first one is, some might say, well, I don't believe God exists. That, that might be what some, some say. And you know what, there may be some in, someone under the sound of my voice this morning that you might even say that. Well, why would I say that I'm at church? Well, there's a lot of people that go to church for the wrong reasons. But one reason might be that you don't believe God exists. Or let me say it to you this way, maybe this will help you in understanding that someone you know might think this way. I don't believe God exists. Well, there's four ways that we can know that God exists. Number one, God has revealed Himself in nature. If you don't believe that, then then go look at the trees this fall. Psalm 19, verse 1, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork on the next clear night. Just go outside and look up at the stars. Look at the bright stars, the moon. And it's it's understood that God exists. That can't be an excuse. Now, people might say it, but it's proven. Just look at God's handiwork. Look, look at the look at how a tree grows. Look at the complexities of a human body, of of animals and their environment, and it shows them that God exists. Listen, that isn't an excuse, a valid excuse. God does exist, and God has revealed Himself in nature. But number two, God has also revealed Himself in man's conscience. Romans 2, verse 12, For as many as have sinned without law, so all shall also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. Here we go. Which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the mean while accusing or else excusing one another. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by, by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience are also... Listen, it's, it's in the fiber of our being that we need God. No one ever taught you to do wrong. I never one time growing up had my mom and dad teach me how to 
uh, be selfish. I never one time had someone teach me how to go take that toy away from, from the, uh, the other little boy in the nursery. I never one time had someone teach me that lying was wrong. So how do we know it was wrong? God places those things in the, in the DNA of our being. We have a need for Him. That there's right and wrong. That there's things that are right and wrong. He places it in our conscience. The third thing, the third way we know that God exists is that God has revealed Himself through His Word, the Bible. Psalm 119, 130, The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. It is an amazing thing to think about that we are holding God's words. This is not man's thoughts. This is God's words. But some people would say, no, this is not God's Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He reveals Himself through His Word. This entire book, or this entire Bible, every book that's in this Bible is about Him. And then lastly, God reveals Himself through His Son. John 1, 1 1-5, I just made reference. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. When Jesus came to this earth, it proves, it proved that God is real. Listen, we're fixing to go into a Christmas season where the everyone around you basically is celebrating Christmas. The whole point of the celebration of Christmas is Jesus being born in a manger. Now people can twisted and turned things and, and, and that. But we get that from God's Word. We get that from the Bible. That's why we celebrate Christmas. We don't celebrate the festivities. We don't celebrate the gift giving as the only reason why there's Christmas. Now the world says, yeah, that's a moneymaker. We celebrate that it was at that point in time that Jesus came to this earth to give us another gate. He gave us the only gate that will get you to heaven. Where you can spend all of eternity with God instead of separated from God. So some might say, well, I don't believe God exists. Well, He's been revealed to us. The second way He's been, that, that uh, the second excuse that might be given is, well, I'm not ready to accept Christ. I, I, I don't disagree with you, Pastor, or I don't disagree with you, but I'm just not ready. Well, at what point will you be ready? Because God says in His Word in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, For He saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted in the day of salvation, have I succured thee? Behold, and now is the accepted time. 
Behold, now is the day of salvation. Whenever you feel that conviction of the Holy Spirit in your heart, whenever you feel that drawing, that that unsettled feeling that you have when confronted with eternity, today is the day. When you say, I'm not ready, then what you're saying is, I'm content being ready to go through this wide gate. It's when you say, I am ready, that you have turned in your journey of life. You have turned and you're going through the narrow gate. Some people say, I'm just not ready. Listen, folks. If the Holy Spirit is convicting your heart, of your need for salvation, you better not put it off. Because at some point, you're going to take your last breath on this earth. And then it's too late. It's too late. You know what I'm so thankful for? I'm so thankful that Miss Dorothy chose Christ. She was excited. She was ready to go to heaven. She told Brother Billy, her son, a week or so ago, she said, I'm ready to go on to heaven. This isn't what I want. I'm ready to go to heaven. And I asked I asked uh, uh, Brother Billy and Miss Brenda's sister, I said, uh, um, can't you imagine... Whenever Miss Dorothy saw Pee Wee and Miss Brenda said, Yeah, and I guarantee you the first thing they did was kiss. Now, humanly speaking, that's a neat thing to think about. You see, she chose on her journey of life at some point by her testimony, she chose that that day she was ready. Because she saw the importance of that she couldn't wait any longer. Because she had no idea when her last breath would be. Now you might be sitting here even this morning and saying, well listen, I've got plenty of time. I don't plan on dying for years. You can't guarantee me your next breath. You can't guarantee me the next breath, the next day, or next month. But what I can guarantee you about is that while you have breath, you're still given an opportunity. Now, I'm looking into the eyes of men and women and teenagers and kids and grandparents. And no doubt, many of you have trusted Christ as your Savior. But there may be someone here that you haven't. Folks, this is where you're headed. This is where you're headed. The last excuse is what will people say? I used to hear this a lot of times even working with teenagers. Well, what will my friends think? Or what will my friends say? What will, what, will, what will they think about me? Can I tell you this? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because whenever you stand before Christ, it's just going to be you. In fact, Revelation 20.15 And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. 
It doesn't make any difference what your friends think. It makes no difference. Now, it's easy for you and I to sit here, and as I've said many times in America, that's been protected, that's been blessed by God, and I have no doubt that part of the blessing of God in our country is veterans. That has allowed us, that has given their life, that those that have even made the ultimate sacrifice in giving their life to protect our freedoms. It's because of those men, that, those men and women that we have the opportunity to preach the truth and get with, without fear at this point of any interference. But I'm going to tell you right now, there's nothing, there's no interference greater than a spiritual warfare. There's nothing greater than that the warfare whenever whenever the devil is about to lose one to Christ. And I'm going to tell you, it might not be easy for you to make the decision to trust Christ as your Savior. But it will always be worth it. You say, well, Pastor, what's, what's the message about? Well, here we go. I wanted to lay all those excuses aside because they're not valid. They're, they're not excuses. And here's what, what we've come to. Number one, is there's a guaranteed destination. Look at verse 13. Enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to what? Destruction. There is a guaranteed destination. For all of those that have have chosen to say no to Christ, there is a guarantee that you will spend all of eternity in hell. There's, there's just, there's, there's, the example that's been given is that there's a broad, there's a wide gate, a broad way, and that way leads to a guaranteed destination of destruction. The lake of fire is not a place that any of us want to go to. I know for years, musicians have sung about it, people have laughed about it, saying they're going to have a big party whenever they get to hell or hell doesn't even exist, or whenever I die, I'm just going to be just consumed and I'm I'm not going to be anywhere. Let me tell you something. That is not what a loving God, a loving Creator, expects for an end of someone that He's created. When He created each one of us, He created each one of us with with a within us a need for Him. And He is the only one that can give peace. He is the only one that can guarantee your destination will be heaven. It's not what you think. It's not what other people think. It's not what commentators think. It's not what authors think. It only matters what the Creator thought. The loving God that created us, it only matters what He said. And He says, Enter ye at the straight gate. For, or otherwise, wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go into thereat. That term leadeth to destruction is referring to the misery and torment that will be upon all those that choose to go to hell. And yes, I said choose to go to hell. 
Because whenever you choose to say no to Christ, then obviously the other choice is that you're choosing hell. Philippians 3, 18 and 19. For many walk, of whom I've told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Listen, folks, hell is a real place. Does hell bother you? Does it bother you that someone close to you might spend all of eternity there? I have no doubt but that the Lord will allow us to peek into the abyss of hell and listen and see that I can't believe we wouldn't be changed. That every Every thought after that would be unto those that are going there. And our, our desire to tell them, no, please don't choose that gate. Choose Christ. Hell is a real place. But hell was not created for you and I. Hell, the lake of fire, was created for Satan and his demons. But because of sin, those that have not placed their faith and trust in Christ will be cast in the lake of fire. Revelation 20 and 10, And the devil that deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night. Listen to this. Forever and ever. And then Revelation 20 15, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The way to spend all eternity in that place called hell is to walk through the wide gate. Because this is where it leads. Remember, we're all on this journey. And this journey is called life. And at some point, you're going to come to the gate... And you're going to have to make a decision. Is it going to be Christ, the narrow, the the one that costs so much, or is it going to be the ease of the wide gate, that broad, open way that just funnels everyone right to that lake of fire? That word broad has an understanding right there in verse 13. For wide is the gate and broad is the way. That word broad has that understanding of the word spacious. There's plenty of room to go that way. The wide gate is easily entered and easily trodden. When everyone passes away, there's a guaranteed destination. It's either going to be heaven or hell. And just as real as heaven is, or as hell is, heaven is just as real. Isn't that exciting? I'm so thankful that heaven is not just a figment of our imagination. It's not just something that we've dreamed about. It is a real place. John 14, 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. 
If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. If that doesn't give you a peace in your heart, then I don't know what will. First, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1. For we, all, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. There is a guaranteed destination. The second thing that we see here in this great passage of the Sermon on the Mount is that there's a guaranteed attendance. There's a guaranteed destination. The destination is destruction, but also we see in verse 14 there's a place called heaven. And that says, which leadeth unto life. So we see the, the two guaranteed destinations. But we also see that there's guaranteed attendance. That, listen, it's eternity is a long time. Does that shock anybody? It's so long, we can't even understand it. Our small, finite minds can't understand the enormity of eternity. Forever and ever. That sounds like a, 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 a little, a book that you read about some prince and a princess or, or some little uh, child uh, book. Oh, forever and ever. But whenever we're talking about all of eternity, everyone will experience eternity. And I want you to know, I'm so thankful that years ago, the Lord, Holy Spirit convicted my heart of my need for to be saved from that destination called hell. And that I chose Lord Jesus Christ. I chose this I chose this way that that not very many people are going to go. And in the you, you stop and think from the moment Adam was created to whenever the last person was cre- is, is going to be created before Christ comes. Whenever, whenever you think of the numbers of people, very few was going to enter this gate compared to those that's going to go here. There's a guaranteed attendance and there's no doubt many, many, many of your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends that are right in the middle of the crowd that's heading into that guaranteed destination of hell. As a Christian, we must be more motivated now than we ever were before to tell others about Christ. But Why? Because every day is one day closer to whenever the Lord's going to return. Every day is one day closer till that loved one is going to take their last breath. Are you burdened? Are you burdened enough that you're willing to do something about those that don't know Christ, that the Lord has brought to your life.
Listen, our lives are so much greater than going to work, than uh, uh, providing for a retirement fund, that it's investing in stocks, or buying Christmas presents, or where are we going on vacation? Our life, the whole purpose of us being here now as believers is to point others to this other way. And you might not get but one more opportunity to point that one down this narrow gateway. There's a guaranteed destination, but there's a guaranteed attendance. There will, everyone will be in one of these two, going one through one of these two gates. And Jesus said in his sermon at the very beginning of verse 13, Enter ye at the straight gate, that narrow gate. There's a guaranteed destination. There's a guaranteed attendance. And then the thirdly, that we see here in these two verses. Well, well, before I go, let's let's look at this, verse 13. The very last phrase, verse 13, the attendance, and many there be which go in thereat. And then in verse 14, and few there be that find it. Are you the many or the few? Are you in the, in the company of the many? Or are you in the company of the few that will find it? That will choose Christ? Are you, okay, believer, are you doing all you can to help get those of the many over to the few? The third thing we see is that there's guaranteed action. There's guaranteed action. There's an action that has got to, that there will be a guarantee. Action will be made. There's a course of action that must take place in order to spend all eternity in heaven. There's no course of action that needs to be done to spend all eternity in hell. You see, there's guaranteed action. The guaranteed action in order to go through this gate is complete inaction. You don't have to do anything. Why? Because we're, we're sinners. We just have to live. We, because, because of sin, everyone is on this same path. Everyone. But in order for us to spend all of eternity in heaven, there must be an action and we turn. We make the choice to turn to Christ. That's why he said at the very beginning of verse 13, enter ye. There's the action that's got to be made. Pastor, I've been a Christian for 40 years. Then how many people have you helped turn to Christ? Well, Pastor, I've taught Sunday school for 20 years. How many have you done your part to help turn to Christ? Well, Pastor, I've lived in the same house for 11 years. How many of your neighbors know what you have done, your testimony? Why? So the Lord could use that in their life to help them turn to Christ. 
my fear is that we that have trusted Christ are so thankful that we know that we're on our way to heaven. That by our actions, we've totally forgotten about these. Lord allowed us to go to Dixie Stampede yesterday. I don't have any idea how many people were there. We took in the 70s, and we were just a small group. So let's say there were 500 at Dixie Stampede. As we were being led out, there were different exits that we could go. And I, because of the message, it was as if I had a little bit of a visual of the throngs of people that are shoulder to shoulder, squeezing by, waiting to go through this wide gate, this easy path. And it, and it reminded me of the wonderful blessing that the Lord has allowed us as believers to have an opportunity to share another way with others. What if someone were to say, hey, why don't y'all come this way? It's a whole lot of, it'll take you right out to the parking lot. Now, not everyone would have been able to go that way. But a few would have. There's a guaranteed action, and that action is called a choice. Teenagers, what choice are you making? If you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, you're on this path. You're going to walk through the gate, and you have no idea whenever that that your last breath on earth is going to be your first breath in eternity. You have no idea. My high school graduation, there were seven empty chairs. Seven. Teenagers, close to your age. It was their last breath on earth, and they went off into eternity. And I never one time shared Christ with them. And I had as many opportunities as any other person. Mom, Dad, you have no idea when your last breath is going to be. Grandparent, neighbor, co-worker, you have no idea that their last breath could be at any moment. We have another gate. We've been given another door. Not everyone has to go that way. It's called Jesus Christ. And we've been given access to help point them to Christ. An action is guaranteed. Do nothing, which is an action, or choose Christ is the best course of action.
Guaranteed action. We were all born in sin. The Bible says, Romans 3.10, as it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. Not one person is good enough on their own to go through this gate. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. But thank the Lord we have Romans 10.13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Enter ye at the straight gate. Flip over to John 19. John chapter 19. In verse 1. Romans 10.9 says, That thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Well, why, why Jesus? John chapter 19. Look at what the Son of God went through. Listen. Pastor, I've been a Christian. I know this passage. Then you know what? Let's be reminded. John chapter 19, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged Him. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on His head. And they put on Him a purple robe and said, Hail the King of the Jews! And they smote Him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and said to them, Behold, I bring Him forth to you that ye may know that I find no fault in Him. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests therefore and officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that he said he was more afraid, and we and went again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then said Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me except it were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivered me into, unto thee hath, great, hath the greater sin. And from thence Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate saith unto thee, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. Jesus died for me. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for all of those that are in attendance down this path. 
but He died for them so that they could make the choice to choose and turn to Christ and go through this narrow gate. You see, this narrow gate costs something. There are only a few that will go through that gate. That gate is more specific. It's it's those that have chosen to turn to Him. By choosing Christ, you are choosing to say no to hell. But by choosing not to turn to Christ, you are choosing to say yes to hell. Folks, if you're on the path right now heading toward that wide gate that leads to destruction, listen to me. Everyone look right here. If you're on the path heading through this wide gate, this broad way, will you please turn to Christ? Will you please choose Him? Because your eternity will be vastly different. John 14.6 Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Folks, there's two gates. Which one are you going through? Dear Heavenly Father, I ask you this morning to please do what I can't in the way that you convict hearts. Lord, if there's someone here today that if their last breath were an hour from now, they don't know You as their Savior. Lord, I pray that You please let them turn to You. Lord, if there's someone that's here today, if there's someone under the sound of my voice, that they've been thinking about this for a while. Maybe they were a little embarrassed because they've gone to church here all their life or people just assume they're already saved. Lord, please help them and put that aside. Don't let that be a reason to continue through this wide gate. Because every one of us is responsible for our own life, not the life of another. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I am not going to belabor this invitation. And I understand that there's gates in front of the steps here, the altar. But I want to ask you a Simple question. And I simply would like to pray for you. If right now you're on the wide path, 
the broad, the spacious way, the way that's so easy to go through this wide gate. If you do not know where you'll spend all of eternity, I would love to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to come to you. I just want to pray for you. Would you slip up your hand right now? Is there one? Hold it up so I can see it. Believer, has the Lord brought someone to your mind that this week, that this week leading up to Thanksgiving, leading up to Christmas, that this week you would make a determination to help and point them to Christ in some way? If the Lord has brought someone to your mind, would you raise your hand? I'd like to pray for you. Many hands. Hold them up. Dear Heavenly Father, help each one of us to see the gravity of the simpleness of these two gates. The gravity that once the gates have been gone through, what lies ahead. Lord, if there's someone under the sound of my voice that needs you, Lord, please convict their hearts. Lord, if there's someone that has trusted you as their Savior, but they need to get serious about pointing others to Christ to let them know, listen, there's another gate. There's another way. You don't have to go through that wide gate, Lord, if you've convicted their heart. Would you please help them put action to their burden? In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, let's all stand. The altar is available. If you would like to come, please come. Plenty of room. As the piano plays, how has the Lord spoke to your heart? Would you come? Jesus paid it all. There's plenty of time as the Lord spoke to you. Would you come? Would you come? Lord, thank you for sending your Son to pay it all. It's because of Him that I know where I'll spend all of eternity. 
Lord, I pray that everyone under the sound of my voice will say the same thing, that they will spend all of eternity in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.